The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, here's Dr. G. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. I'm Cheryl G., and I'll be your host for the hour. Today, we're going to be continuing our conversation on Coons and Ponzer's five exemplary leadership practices. Uh, the, the practice we're going to be talking about today is enabling others to act. And uh, this series is actually coming out of their book, The Leadership Challenge, which is actually one of the best-selling leadership books of all times. With us today to help us have this conversation, we have Dr. Eugene Bailey, who's a retired naval commander and executive coach based in San Diego, California. Dr. Bailey, thank you for being with us. It's a pleasure to be with you. Yes. Thank you. And on the line also, we have Charles Brewer, who's Director of Public Works with the City of Red Oak, Texas. Charles, glad to have you back on the line today as well. Glad to be here also. Thank you. And Damon Carson, who's the Deputy Vice President of Children, Youth, and Family Services with the Neighborhood House Association here in San Diego, California, my colleague. Damon, thank you for joining us. Uh, Thanks for having me, Cheryl. Yes. So before we jump right into our topic, Enabling Others to Act, Dr. B., can we start with you and have you just share a little bit about yourself? Yeah, well, thank you. Um, I uh, spent a career in the Navy, and I had a wonderful opportunity to command a couple of ships. Uh, One ship had 1,000 people on board. The other had 1,500. And I accommodated my career by being in charge of uh, uh, Navy recruiting with 5,000 recruiters all across the United States under my charge. So I feel very, very lucky to have had those opportunities. And now I'm affiliated with the Center for Creative Leadership uh, and uh, uh, training leaders to be more successful and effective as leaders. So that's a little bit about Gene Bailey. Great. Thank you, Dr. B. Charles, how about a little bit about yourself? Okay, my experience uh, encompasses over 20 years. I have primarily been in city municipal governments to where 15 of those years I've had the opportunity to be a director of public works of uh, four municipalities. Currently, I work with the city of Red Oak, Texas. I've previously worked with Safety Harbor, Florida, College Park, Georgia, and Forest Hill, Texas. As a director of public works, uh, my management responsibility is over the city streets, parks, water distribution, wastewater collection, sanitation, and all other operational programs within city government. I am a graduate of Prairie View A&M University, and my professional affiliations are the American Public Works Association, the National Forum for Black Public Administrators, 
and Omega Sapphire Fraternity Incorporated. Wonderful. Thank you, Charles. Mm-hmm. And how about yourself, Damon? Mr. Carson, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yes, Cheryl. Um, first and foremost, just like to say I am a product of San Diego. I'm a native San Diegan, born and raised. Uh, received all my formal schooling here. Uh, after I completed my undergraduate schooling, I attended the uh, Thurgood Marshall School of Law in Houston, Texas, um, where I learned my skills in advocacy. Um, after law school, I was employed by Arthur Anderson as a um, researcher. I performed uh, legal and financial research uh, for a large accounting firm. Uh, soon thereafter, I, uh, in the year 2000, I joined Neighborhood House Association. Uh, I've been with Neighborhood House Association going on 12 years now, and in my current capacity, I am the uh, deputy director uh, for the Head Start program. Uh, I oversee a early childhood development program that serves over 8,000 children here in San Diego. Uh, like to say, I'm also a member of uh, Cap Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. <laughs> And uh, I'm very active here in the local community with a number of organizations. All right. Well, good to have you on the phone as well, um, Damon. And, Charles, I heard you laughing. That was that Omega laughing at the Kappa, huh? Join us on the line. So we got a Delta, Omega, and a Kappa on the line today. All right, then. All right. <laughs> got the panelytic well represented. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, great. Well, I know that for each of us and kind of going through our careers, as individual contributors, we're often, uh, one might say, evaluated initially based on our ability to deliver our own work product and to make things happen on our own plate uh, that, yeah, again, as an individual contributor, we can kind of do. And when we do that well, um, then that's kind of, one might say, a good thing, and it very often can lead to promotional opportunities and greater responsibilities. As the greater responsibilities continue, though, and as we do take on the charge of supervising, managing, directing, leading others, then it becomes this whole other space with regards to assessment, and it's not so much how much can we do on our own, but how much can we also mobilize others to do. And um, so I'd like to kind of hear from each of you um, how that transition happened for you? How did you make that transition in your own career, going from being an individual contributor to being a supervisor or a manager? And, you know, what were some of the lessons you learned along the way of things maybe to do or things not to do as you went about trying to successfully meet that challenge? Uh, Dr. B., why don't we start back with you again? Yes, uh, I was fortunate. It was relatively easy, easier for me to make that transition. Uh, I uh, watched my father, who had a trucking business along the way, uh, manage and lead people, and uh, he had some great techniques. And so, uh, plus, uh, my basic personality is trying to make others successful. And as a leader, if you make others successful, if you make your direct report successful, you are automatically successful. It comes with the territory. And uh, likewise, conversely, uh, it's true if you're unsuccessful, if they are unsuccessful, uh, you are unsuccessful. So uh, it was the transition was relatively easy for me. Now, remember, I went directly out of Virginia State College at that time, which is a historically black college, university, 
uh, in directly into the Navy. And uh, my first job, I had I had 125 people working for me. So I right off the bat had to use the techniques of leadership. So, but I recognize that transition is not always easy for everybody. But I was just just lucky. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you, Jean. Thanks for sharing that. You bet. Um, Charles, how about a little bit about your experience in making that transition? I think my transition was a, a work in process, and it took several years to get where I am today with positive and negative things happening uh, to me personally and in my career. Uh, when I graduated from uh, Prairie View, uh, my degree is mechanical engineering. I went straight to the private sector out in California, at which time I had no um, employees under me. After three years there, I actually had an opportunity to become uh, a director. I was able to sell myself in spite of not having any public works background under my belt, I guess it's being at the right time at the right place. And then the city manager of this particular city brought uh, aboard, uh, took me under his wing and helped mold me. Stayed there seven years, then gave up that director's position, went to the city of Austin, learned while I was there, uh, positive and negatives got burned while I was there. And so it's just through my career, um, I have been somewhat, somewhat self-taught, uh, going to different training and seminar, learning as I go, uh, learning from the actions that I take on other employees or that are taken against me. And, uh, that's what molded me, I guess, into the um, the manager I am today. Okay, so Charles, what were some of those challenges? You said there were some um, challenges that you learned from, and perhaps as well as some successes. Any stand out in particular, successes or challenges? <laughs> I'm laughing because I guess the the biggest uh, learning experience I had was actually losing uh, my first job uh, within the last five years. I had been in my position uh, thinking that I'm secure, solid, and a situation happened where I didn't have any performance problems, but when you work at the wheel of your city manager, you can actually be told to go. And so it was through that situation and then a follow-up uh, termination on a, working with the city that I thought was very racial prejudice, but learning from that, that uh, it's, it's those spikes in the road that I think has made me even um, try to um, round my sharp edges to be more considerate of employees, more understanding, trying to take it as far as I can on certain issues without just immediately trying to uh, implement discipline that uh, has made me better. So it's more, I think, the negatives that I think has made me more of a rounded manager now. Okay, so so you, your transition was to, it sounds as if you said, a kinder, more considerate manager. Um, say a little bit more just so that we're clear. What were you saying? Well, I'm, I'm saying like I, I think it's, it's my management style uh, over the it, prior yeah. years had been more of that leader, knowing that I'm fully accountable for everything that happens within my department, and thus my management style had been a little more direct, that it, I think it needed to be, uh, mm-hmm. trying to take charge and get the finished product. But along that way, it may have uh, rupted some feelings or some other um, people's uh, working relationship with me. Mm-hmm. But I think it's it's been rounded, and so I've learned better, and I think it's working out better for me, you know, here at this career here in Texas. 
Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that, Charles. Damon, how about for yourself, making that transition to enabling others, moving from being an individual contributor to um, one that is responsible for supervising others? How did you make the transition? Um, a couple of different ways, but first want to point out that I, I, I consider myself still in transition. Mm-hmm. Um, in, my, in my current capacity um, as the day-to-day leader, I've, I've only been in this position about five months. So my learning and development is one that is continuous. But I, I, I do want to point to a, a couple of things that have helped me make that transition. And I think um, Charles touched upon this. And mm-hmm. Damon, I'm hearing that we're needing to go to break. So what I'm going to do is actually put a comma right there, and we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to hear the rest of what you have to say on that topic. So please stay with us. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are there any challenges to your success? You already have what it takes to turn these challenges into results in any area. Find out more when you tune in to The Power of Realism, Why Integrity Matters, with host Jeffrey Canavan. We all deal with adversity and challenges in life and business. We'll talk with those individuals who have faced these challenges and turned them into success stories. By making just a few shifts in your thinking, you too can be one of these success stories. The Power of Realism airs live on Thursdays at 10 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email drg at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. 
Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters. Today we're talking about enabling others to act, and we have Dr. Eugene Bailey, retired Naval Commander and Executive Coach based in San Diego, California, Charles Brewer, Director of Public Works with the City of Red Oak, Texas, and Damon Carson, Deputy Vice President of Children, Youth, and Family Services at the Neighborhood Health Association here in San Diego, California. Thank you all three for being with us. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And, Damon, before we went to break, you were sharing a little bit about your transition. So I'll have you kind of pick up that transition from going from individual contributor to um, to leading, which I know you've been in a leadership capacity for a number of years now, but just took on a, a new um, mm-hmm. experience as well. So I'll have you pick on Pick sure. up where you left off. Sure. And and one of the things I was going to mention, it kind of follows what Charles was saying. Uh, I, I feel like my, my career has been um, full of peaks and valleys. And so what has given me the ability to make the transition from a contributor to a leader is, is really learn from the valleys or, or learn from my mistakes or my not my best decisions. Um, I felt like I was able to grow, develop, and, and learn from those because when you do things that don't necessarily turn out successful, uh, it encourages change for you to do something different. So I felt like really the not-so-great experiences really shaped me in terms of how to lead and, and be flexible and, and really guide and direct people to, to step out there and not be afraid to make a mistake because that's the greatest opportunity to learn from. Um, I think the second piece um, in terms of my transition was, you know, I did my best to surround myself with people who I wanted to emulate and I wanted to be like. So I, I tried to surround my, myself around people who had established careers that were relatively successful uh, as leaders and just try to, you know, pick up a little bit from each one of them to um, shape my own development. Mm-hmm. Great. I love both of those with regards to, and, and I do hear the um, ringing true as you reference back to Charles with regards to, I think for all of us it's real important just to learn from our mistakes and um, and certainly surrounding ourselves with uh, those who we can also uh, learn from and team with uh, makes a lot of sense as well. Dr. B., did I hear you about to say something? Yeah, I was going to concur wholeheartedly, even though my transition was uh, easier than maybe normal. But uh, the journey has not always been uh, smooth. There's been bumps in the road, and we do learn a lot from uh, those uh, trials and tribulations. So keep those in mind. You're never going to have a completely smooth journey in leadership. Never. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. So, um, you know, one of the things with regards to enabling others to act is being able to develop them, develop their competence, develop their confidence. Uh, what are some of the things that you've done that have helped you to be able to have capable people to actually delegate things to? And, uh, Damon, why don't we start with you this time? Um, the first thing that comes to mind is is... You know, I really try to embrace my team members' strengths, and I really try to uh, focus on those and and hope that that encourages them to use those strengths in their their day-to-day activities. Um, I like to tell my my team, um, 
I'm definitely not looking to hold you accountable, but I need to be able to count on you. And so me being able to count on you um, should trigger the the desire to deliver and produce quality results. Um, if I change the tone in terms of, you know, how I view or interact with my team and they feel that I'm not really looking for not so much the negatives but really positive and innovative revo- results, I think they eventually feel that mm-hmm. um, and, and carry that with them each and every day. Mm-hmm. I always you know, ask my team members their opinions, their thoughts, their feelings, their hesitations. Um, because, again, uh, I don't want to make dis- decisions in isolation. You know, I need all the possible feedback that I can get from my team members. Um, right. The last thing I'll mention is that I try to encourage them to, when we meet or when you come in to, to my office, uh, what's come in with solutions in mind and not necessarily just with the issues, but let's think about potential solutions before we even begin the conversation. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. Um, Charles or Jean, anything you want to say in, in response to what um, Damon has shared or your own thoughts with regards to how you've gone about developing competent and confident uh, persons who you can delegate to? Well, I'll jump right in. Okay. okay. I concur with Damon 100% uh, celebrating successes and, and developing uh, going from a person's strength is probably more motivational uh, than going from weaknesses. Um, what has paid handsome dividends for me is helping them understand just how good they are and if they understand that, they will try to meet your expectations. And the other thing that I would add to that is have an environment that we learn from minor mistakes and correct them rather than blaming. Uh, and that's what I would share. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Thank you. Anything you'd like to add, Charles? Yeah, just uh, something that was just mentioned. Uh, I know we've got all gone to training and we hear the word about team. And I think so much nowadays that's so important for us not to get lost in our titles or think we're so high on the totem pole that we don't need that entry-level employee and all levels in between. Um, If you come into a managed position and start trying to be so hard or so dictatorial and and acting like it's your way or the highway and and, and the other person doesn't have a a stake in this process, you're going to lose out. you have to get the employees to feel that it is a team opportunity that you all have to take advantage of. Uh, we all have different responsibilities in this chain link, and without each other, one of all of us may fail. If one of my employees is not successful in doing what he needs to do, I'm going to be the one that's ultimately accountable. So I have to get buy-in from them that they recognize we're all on the same team. I've got to come out of my office more. I've got to have meetings with them in order to share with them more of the bigger picture because a lot of times they're not going to understand why certain decisions that I have to make. So it still follows up on the need to get buy-in from your employees, to have a team approach, and and to be open with everyone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Kind of maybe sticking with that a little bit, you know, one of the things that Coons and Ponser talks about is the importance of fostering collaboration and really promoting um, 
cooperative goals and, and trust, how true does that ring to you, and how have you gone about fostering collaboration and trust among team members? Uh, anyone can jump in there. Well, I'll continue almost like what I was just saying is okay. that um, a part of the way I do that now is to keep everybody, you know, very well knowledgeable of the big picture what's going on uh, in my public work operations. While I may have somebody um, repairing the street or cutting grass, they still have to understand of what they're doing has a, a budgetary impact. So we may have periodic meetings, even if it's just once a quarter, to share with them information about the budget, but to help keep them knowledgeable of the big picture and to let them see that, uh, you know, I have a concern for what they're doing and uh, because it's important to the, you know, total operation. Mm -hmm. Right. Gene, uh, yes. Concur. Uh, uh, just uh, taking a page out of Charles's book here, uh, what I try to do is have the direct reports or others, uh, members of the team, help in developing the goals so I can have buy-in. Um, I respect them and acknowledge them, and if there's any sort of conflict, we uh, jump right on that and we try to resolve it as quickly as possible. And that's how... I was able to build trust and, and collaboration. Okay, great. Anything you'd like to add, Damon? Oh, I, I would say everything is, is, has been well said and, and right on point, I think. Um, the things that I try to do is just try to uh, be engaged, engage all the team. Um, and, and someone said to see the big picture, and that's absolutely it, you know. My desire or, or, or what I try to do is to make my direct reports uh, believe that they can run this program or organization without me. So times when I'm away from the office, um, it kind of forces that collaboration because I kind of step back and kind of let them, and I'm almost on purpose at a distance and not calling and checking in because I want that cohesion just to develop amongst my team. Um, so I really want them to believe that they don't really need me. They're capable individuals that can run this thing without me. But I, I think it all starts with, with really staying engaged uh, with your team, trying to uh, over-include them as opposed to under-include them, and just really continuously share the big picture. Mm -hmm. Hey, Cheryl? Yeah. Uh -huh. Maybe Alyssa might uh, want to uh, hear a couple of examples of, of uh, might, something that might be useful for them, something called cross-pollinization, and that is having uh, individuals go and spend some time in another department uh, to observe and to get familiar with what that other department is doing. And if you do that enough, everybody then probably feels more as a team. And the second example is shared leadership in meetings. In other words, having your direct report uh, uh, on a rotational basis be the leader of the meeting rather than the boss being, or the, the boss being the leader of that meeting all the time. Wonderful. Love that. Any other thoughts or ideals related to that, um, Charles or um, Damon? No, not at the, the time. I, I guess I'm still leaning toward a understanding for managers, whether you knew or old in your... Uh, is that the... Okay. It is. Okay. <laughs> you, hear, you know that cue, don't you, Charles? Waiting on it. <laughs> Waiting on it. <laughs> okay. We're going to take a... a quick break here and then come back and talk more about delegating, 
and also respond to some of the questions from our listening audience. Please stay tuned, and we'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email G at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment rising to levels not seen since the Great Depression. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters talking today about enabling others and with us today having this conversation we have Dr. Eugene Bailey, retired Naval Commander and Executive Coach based in San Diego, California, Charles Brewer, Director of Public Works with the City of Red Oaks in Texas, and Damon Carson, Deputy Vice President of Children, Youth and Family Services with the Neighborhood House Association. Again, thank you all for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So we have a couple of questions from our listening audience. I'm going to jump right into um, asking those, and then whoever would like to respond, that would be great. We have Jean from Omaha, Nebraska, who says, My supervisor dumps tasks and projects on me uh, to do without any guidance or instructions. She acts impatient and irritated when I ask questions and dings me when I don't get things done when she expects, although she does not give any clear due dates. I don't feel enabled or empowered. I just feel overwhelmed. Any suggestions? Any thoughts for Jean? <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I guess I started because uh, that could be looked at several different ways. Um, you know, once again, first you got to recognize the uh, work envir- environment that you're in. If the management style that you work under is that type of person that is dumping this information on you without these questions, still inquire the best you can without 
taking advantage to the point they they want to implement some type of disciplinary action against you because you do need the direction and a clear understanding or you'd find yourself getting into more trouble. But look at it as, as a learning opportunity while you are there. Learn from all that you can do because everything you do is going to be help enhancing you on your resume. But recognize your work surrounding and if it looks like that that manager is not going to change, that it's going to be this continuous type dumping without any real learning or growth processes from, you may have to evaluate uh, your desire to be at that particular uh, position and in that particular role. Okay. Any other thoughts? Yeah, Gene, that's a, not a good situation to be in, and managers and leaders probably need as much training as their direct mm-hmm. reports. On a perfect situation, you wouldn't have the situation. Uh, you wouldn't have this difficulty, but you do. Now, I'm going to suggest maybe something that's risky, but I think worthwhile considering, and that is... Uh, you do have certain needs, as Charles was saying, you have certain things that you need in order to accomplish the job, the project effectively. And if you would go to your boss and indicate how you best work, what's your style, what, what, how can you be most effective in, in, in completing this project, and uh, hopefully she, uh, the, your boss will take that under consideration and, and maybe give you some of the things that you need. So it's a little bit risky, but uh, it, it, I have I've done that when I was a young buck, and it usually worked for me. Okay. And any thoughts from yourself, Damon? <clears throat> I would agree. Um, I think the 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 boss or supervisor in this instance may not recognize um, how the directives are being received. Um, so, in order to address it, um, I agree it may be risky, but you have to almost put your supervisor on notice that. Uh, the way the directives are are coming are creating some confusion and almost hindering your ability to deliver um, with quality in a timely manner. Um, I think a conversation uh, has to take place in order to initiate change. Now, the change, the result of the change may be uh, not what she wants, but I think deep down inside she'll feel better that she was able to let her supervisor know how she felt about the working styles back and forth. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Thank you. And, you know, I might add, um, Jean, not knowing where you are in your organizational structure, so, um, but, you know, the higher you go, the less anyone's going to give you a lot of clarity on what to do, and it can sometimes feel like dumping, and sometimes it literally is. And and I think we should talk before we get off the phone today about how to delegate effectively. That might uh, be helpful because um, I think that's an important part of enabling others to act. But, Gene, I might say uh, part of your being able to cope with the situation might be right-sizing your expectations that this is the style you're dealing with, and so getting real comfortable with things being ambiguous and figuring out how you can um, maybe ask a few questions to get a little bit of clarity and maybe do some trial balloons and and um, give her products that are, you know, uh, say, based on what I got, this is what I'm thinking, what do you think, and maybe she's the type of manager who 
um, moves fast and does better if you give her something to respond to versus her maybe putting it all out there at at first or, you know, on the front end. She might be one of those who manages on the back end, which can be difficult. So uh, something else to try might be, you know, how do you get enough to, again, do a draft, give it to her so you can keep moving and help her to keep moving, but maybe get a little closer to it. And ask for the deadlines, too. If she's not giving it to you up front, you know, just ask her when you need it by. And um, that way maybe you can line up your other things that you have to do accordingly. So just uh, thoughts, Jean. Thank you so much for sending in your questions. Our next question came from, uh, it looks like Gerard, and he's from Tyler, Texas. And he, did, and he uh, writes, I've inherited my team and don't have confidence to delegate to the current staff. I have to go through a progressive disciplinary process before I can off-board and reestablish a team. In the meantime, I feel like I'm dying on the vine, not sure what to do. Any thoughts? I think I'll start uh, not knowing whether um, he is working with the city government. When you talk about progressive discipline, I know that's what a lot of our city governments definitely have implemented in our personnel manuals. They say there's a process we have to go through. Yeah, and I think uh, most organizations have um, progressive disciplinary processes too, Charles, mm-hmm. even in well, the nonprofit it, it, arena it, as well. Mm-hmm. It, I just got an impression, and I could be wrong, that um, he is definitely not pleased with the team that he has, and it sounds like he wish he could clean house. Um, but but I think he just needs to uh, be sure he is giving clear directions. Um, and if they aren't being followed, uh, take him to the progressive discipline to where he takes the time to talk with them. Um, and if they're not complying with that, do the written process and at least know that he's gone through that because he's going to need that to show that he's effectively trying to work with his employees. And then, like I say, if, the, if it comes to that point, don't be afraid to have to uh, take it to the termination if, if that's what it, it, it means. But you have to be prepared for, you know, the, the, the shaky waters that may come with that. Um, people always have the right to sue, but just be prepared and, you know, cover yourself. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you, Gene. Any thoughts from yourself? Yeah, well, uh, it would be wonderful if we all could have perfect teams, and that's not reality. Uh, I have also uh, found that sometimes uh, the team members who appear to be incompetent just have not had the results of feedback or coaching. Um, sometimes we we go directly from giving no feedback to progressive discipline. If uh, that's the case, then we could step back and do some more developing coaching. And But if you've gone through that, then I agree with Charles, you have to pull chalks or uh, terminate. Mm-hmm. But make sure you have documentation. Mm-hmm. Great. Love it. I think that's um, some good feedback for um, Gerard. And uh, I concur with regards to, uh, Jean, I think sometimes supervisors can move a little fast with regards to um, not doing the assessment with regards to is this a skill issue or this, or this a will issue. And so making sure we've done the assessment and we've tried to either um, provide more direction if it's a competence issue or um, build confidence if it's a motivation issue and uh, see if that helps. Um, but part of that documentation process should also be what we've done to try to develop mm-hmm. as uh, we're also looking at figuring out how to get the right people in the right seats so that we can get the job done. It will also be important, Gerard, that you actually stay in alignment with your 
supervisor, so letting them know what you're up against as relates to your own deliverables, I think, will be uh, wise for you at this time. Mm-hmm. Thank you also for sending in your question, and uh, uh, keep them coming. Keep them coming. You know, let's talk a little bit about delegation. Uh, any thoughts with regards to the secret for um, or the key to delegating effectively? I'll jump right in because that's one of my favorite topics. Oh, wonderful. Uh, If you are a a artful, uh, good at delegation, uh, you are going to probably be an effective leader. Um, I think the uh, books talk about uh, if you're delegating, make sure that you articulate the why and the what, and then leave. try leaving the how how you do it to the delegatee or the person you're delegating to. And then finally, try and negotiate the when, uh, when this is going to be uh, accomplished, if you can. So, but uh, make sure that you articulate, again, why this is important and the fact that this person can accomplish it and what it is, and then make sure that you leave how they're going to accomplish it to them. Wonderful. I love that, Jean. I'm going to echo that again because I think that that's real important with regards to give them the why so they have some context, tell them the what so they have some clarity, negotiate the when so you're on the same page as to when you need it by, and then allow the person to have a conversation with you if need be or come back and discuss the how but try to leave as much of that to that individual. Um, Any additional thoughts from Charles or Damon? I have a, I, I, go ahead. Well, I'm sorry, Charles. No problem. Um, just was going to say that was excellent comments, and I was, in fact, writing them down to put in my repertoire. But <laughs> Thank you. I think that was great. Um, you know, the, the only thing I'll add, and it's really brief, is I like to let my team members know my, my delegation to you is evidence of my confidence in your ability to mm-hmm. deliver. And so treat this as almost, you know, a a boat of confidence and my confidence in your ability to get the job done. And that's just how I treat delegation. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Charles, anything you'd like to add? Yeah, um, a a couple of things. Um, As managers, we have to learn how to delegate with our team early in the process. I know I've made the mistake in the past when I didn't have the confidence in a, um, a manager under me and, uh, in what the finished product they was going to get because they had failed me before and what I wanted to see and thus I reluctantly delegated some of the things. Um, as a manager, all that does is swamp you and keep you from doing other things that you're probably supposed to do. So you have to, even if you lack that confidence in that person, you still have got to keep sending it that direction. And if they're not giving you what you're wanting, you've got to become part of that teacher and actually let them know where they're making the, as you see, the mistakes of doing something different than what you want as a finished product. But you've got to keep pushing it. Wonderful. Excellent. And I think that's so important with regards to looking up and looking out and seeing what's coming down the pipe so we can do just what you said, Charles, with regards to delegate it early on. Give them enough time to get started. We're going to uh, take another short break and then be right back with more on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions.
business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email Dr. G at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific time for The Growth Strategist with Aldana Ambler. On the show, Aldana and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you, the business owner, back. Aldana will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart, grow profit, and grow your business with Aldana Ambler and The Growth Strategist every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific time right here on the bottom line in business talk voice america business when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network Listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters. Today we're talking about enabling others to act, and we have Dr. Eugene Bailey, retired Naval Commander and Executive Coach based in San Diego, California, Charles Brewer, Director of Public Works with the City of Red Oaks, Texas, and Damon Carson, Deputy Vice President of Children, Youth, and Family Services with the Neighborhood House Association in San Diego, California. Thank you again to all of our guests. You guys have really brought some nice points up and given us some good food for thought. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yes. Any final uh, tips for our listeners regarding enabling others to act? I guess to throw out a, a few comments. Um, while we are definitely worried about covering our own back, uh, I think we just have to try to keep enabling others in order to um, make the whole finished product work for us. Um, we all looked at managers by higher managers as being able to delegate. Uh, we don't want to be viewed as people that micromanage. We want to be able to be seen as allowing these uh, other employees to professionally do what they are hired to do. Uh, so we have to delegate. We may have to work a little harder with, with some of our employees that may not be as as easy to to learn what we're trying to instill upon them, but we can't give up on them. Um, but realizing that if it's not working, just be sure you are documenting things going on, uh, whether it's going down or going up, in order to help protect yourself. But uh, delegate. It, it's good. It keeps you from being too overwhelmed, and uh, just keep trying to work with the employees. Okay, good. I, Thank you, Charles. I had two things. Mm-hmm. One, 
Most people, my philosophy, uh, most people come to work wanting to do a good job uh, most of the time. And it is my job or it is the leader's job to make that happen through development, through motivation, through delegation, through a lot of things. So if you are able to capture that, you're uh, uh, in front of that power curve. The second thing is no matter how good you are as a leader or as the boss, you cannot do it alone. You have to have a team. So develop uh, whatever techniques you need to do to develop a good team. Those are the two things I share with you. Okay. And, Eugene, any things in particular comes to mind with regards to developing a good team to be able to do the job? Any particular thoughts wrap into that for you? Well, yeah, I'm all over the board, but I will say be interested in the other person's uh, in, in the other person, for instance, uh, Charles uh, and Damon said it while earlier that uh, capture uh, their strengths and figure out what they do well and 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 be interested in them, not just the project itself. Uh, the other thing is share uh, uh, information. If someone does something very well, have them share that with other people in the team. And so you, uh, so sharing is important. Those are two things that come to mind right away. Wonderful. There are lots of other stuff, but those I'll leave it there. Great. Thanks, Dr. B. Mm-hmm. And how about yourself, Damon? Any final thoughts? Uh, just a couple points I want to make. Um, you know, in order for your, your, your team and, and its members to be successful, uh, one, as leaders, we have to make sure we're providing with the tools we're providing them with the tools necessary to be successful. Um, we also need to advocate for them um, in times that they need us. Um, we, we do that as leaders by using calm judgment and, and being open to reasoning and being greater listeners than we are speakers. I think when we do you know, all these things, uh, we create uh, uh, an environment of integrity, morality, um, that is ethically driven. And I think that momentum uh, is felt by your team, and, and it shows at the end of the day uh, that we are here working for a common purpose and a greater goal. So I think when you, when you, when you begin to address your team, um, try to use reasoning um, and, and a calm sense of judgment to create the tide or the wave that you want to uh, resonate throughout your organization. Wonderful. Thank you, Damon. Uh, any uh, references, upcoming events, shout-outs, uh, any if you'd like to uh, give to our listening audience? Well, I'd like to mention one thing. Um, okay. Here, here at Neighborhood House Association, and specifically within the Head Start program, um, we are always looking for volunteers to serve as uh, mentors, uh, literacy coaches, uh, people that are willing to work with our preschool children and help foster their development. So we're always looking for positive role models to come and volunteer in our classrooms and if any of your listeners, Cheryl, are, are, are wanting to do that, they can simply call us here at uh, Neighborhood House. The telephone number is area code 858-715-2642. 
and just ask to speak to a representative of the Head Start program. Wonderful. Thank you, Damon. And I might add, if they're wanting to add, work with some of the other populations, we have a homework center um, that um, I think focuses on our – what's the age? Do you know, Damon, for the homework center on 41st Street? Because I know they're always looking for volunteers as well. The age? Uh-huh, the age. The age of the clients? Uh-huh, of the uh, students who go yeah. to the homework center. They are middle schoolers and high schoolers. Okay, excellent. And, of course, we have the senior center. So, wonderful. Thank you, Damon. That's an excellent shout-out and, and um, notification. How about um, Jean or? Yes, uh, Damon and Cheryl uh, Neighborhood House is doing a great job, wonderful job. Uh, I'm affiliated with another organization who's doing a great job, as a wonderful job as well, the Jackie Robinson Family YMCA located in southeast San Diego. And we're really providing a, a beacon of hope and, uh, for the youngsters in that community. Uh, we're in the rebuilding phase. And uh, anyone who wants to uh, see a wonderful rebuilding opportunity take shape, uh, come on down to the Y. Fabulous. And, um, Jean, you want to give a website or anything for that? Oh, the org. Okay, great. Thank you. Charles, any shout-outs from yourself? Uh, no real concrete shout-outs other than saying uh, keep up what you're doing. Uh, each time you ask me to speak on your, your show, I get reluctant to do it. But after I listen to some of your, your other guests and, and, and hear what we're all talking about, I realize it's important food that we have to or should feed out to other people because even if one person just hears one word that has helped make them a better person, I think it's, it's worthwhile. So keep up the good work that you're doing. Great. Thank you, Charles. I want to give a shout-out to our Talk Leadership Forum that's coming up on uh, September the 27th. It's no charge. It's open to the public, open to our employees, our delegate agencies, and partners as well. Uh, just log on to um, – actually, you can send an email to workshops at neighborhoodhouse.org if you'd like to come at our copy location, and that's September the 27th. The topic is building morale, so come cha- exchange ideas. Love to hear from you. Again, thank you so much to our guests today and to our listening audience. Please tune us. Let's tune, tune us, huh? <laughs> Please tune in every Wednesday at 2 o'clock Pacific Standard Time for Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. G is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter.